Awesome, man. Thank you. Sorry. I suck at this stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. That's okay. You know, you got other things that are more important than, you know, <laughs> making sure your camera angle's perfect for this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm just, I'm horrible at this stuff, man. Yeah? Yeah, <laughs> like, like technology, I suck. I, I'm lucky I can email someone. Really? <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, I did a radio show for a number of years where I had to do, you know, uh, uh, video type interviews, and I've been doing this program four years. And yeah. I've only come across one person in all that time that had their lighting and audio. Had everything down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was Miles Kennedy. He was the only one. Oh, wow. Wow. Everybody nice. else, you could tell that, you know, he must, you know, have just days where that's all he does. Right, right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, but it was, it's, you know, what do you expect? You know, most guys are on their phone, they're... In exactly. The car, they're at an airport. I mean, it could be all kinds. Yeah. You know. What yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Right on. How's it going? Good. Good. Going well, man. Nice uh, weather here in uh, in Los Angeles right now. Oh well, it's beautiful there all the time, isn't it? Yeah. Um. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time out there over the years, so I understand. Your glasses here. Where Where are you at right now? I'm outside of Chicago. Oh shit. Yeah. Is it cold? No, actually it's beautiful. It's in the it's in the I don't know, high sixties. Oh nice. Very it's cool. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's uh you know, we had our normal rainy Halloween and you know <laughs> and that, it's been actually pretty nice in comparison to what it normally is this time of year. Yeah, it was a fairly typical uh Southern California Halloween, probably about eighty degrees or so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hate it. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So, if if you don't mind, man, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about about your playing and your gear and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I'm just a fanatic for that kind of thing. Awesome. But but uh, one thing that I'm really curious that I that I ask guys that are in the in the vein of music that you are is how do you train or what have you done to train your picking hand because your picking hand has to be so friggin solid for the, <laughs> I mean it really does for those rhythms what do you do to yeah. train your picking hand well you know um I gotta say when I first started playing I mean like my first early bands um they were definitely like hard rock, you know, metal bands. Then I was in kind of like a thrash uh, sort of band called Tactics back way back in the day, like in the early 90s, like 90, 91 or something like that. So that's kind of where my my right uh, hand, right arm uh, started, you know, to develop because it was a lot of the old school thrash stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, prior to that, I mean, I was doing more, um, you know, uh, uh, slightly slower, not quite as intense on the right arm um, material. So once got the band, no, are you in the hills? Exercises or, or things like that to de develop it. It just kind of happened just from playing type of material. Um, you know, it just kind of worked itself that way. Now, fast fast forward to. Um, when I joined ministry um, in 2006, 
my right arm just kind of went into boot camp because the material that that we were writing and that was writing for a, an album called The Last Sucker uh, was very fast and it's very machine gun like and it's got to be very precise and for that stuff man it took me a good uh, about two weeks of being in the studio to really get my right arm into that kind of shape and that's typically what what would happen you know uh every time before we'd go on on tour or something like that i would just start playing certain songs that were you know uh very intense with the right arm um and that, and I would develop my right arm to get into shape to go to tour and stuff like that. But I never really did um, the exercises. It was just kind of like doing songs, um, you know, fast songs or, or, or fast rhythms, um, just to kind of develop it that way. Yeah. So did you did you play along with you know like a click track or a metronome or anything like that in order yeah. to get the timing down because. I mean, yeah. you got to be precise because, you know, if you're off just a little bit, oh, yeah. I mean, it's so noticeable in that style of music. You could tell. I mean, it's like if you're playing blues and you fuck up a chord or miss a couple of notes, nobody's going to care. But no. when, you're, when you're doing, you know. That when you're like, yeah. I mean, because you're, you know, a lot of those songs, man, you're right on point, like with, you know, the the drummer with his double kick. Um, with other things that are just very precision, you know, uh, like, and it's like, if you're slightly off, it sounds very off. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would practice with a click track, um, just to kind of keep my right arm going. But I got to tell you, man, it, it definitely takes some practice. Um, you can't just jump into that. At least I couldn't, like, it took me, you know, a little bit, but once you're in it, once I was in it, um, you know, say we a typical year for us, right? We'd be out on the road for, I don't know, uh, three, four months out of the year or whatever. And then we'd be working on music for an album or something. But the time off, if I wasn't playing as much, uh, I would make sure that I would give myself about a week or two before we got to band rehearsals to really get my arm back into shape because it really, you know, it can sort of lose that touch um if you if you're not on it constantly yeah so are you using uh you know uh like a like a jazz a dunlop jazz type pick you know real small <laughs> real thick i mean what do you use yeah i i i've been using uh dunlop uh tortex 1.0s yeah. for jesus as far back as i can remember man probably since like i started playing um i mean uh, you know, out with bands and stuff when I was about 19 or so. It's probably about the time I still, actually, I used to use Clayton. Remember Clayton picks? Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to use Clayton's very early on. And I think they were, uh, it was a 1.0. And then I switched over to Dunlop's uh, shortly after that. But pretty much my entire life, I've been on those 1.0s. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm guessing really light gauge strings, action set really low. Yeah. Um, once we started doing uh, a lot of stuff in, in uh, you know, either drop D or drop C, obviously the gauge uh, would have to increase. Um, but for the most part, I use pretty standard, you know, nine to like 52 kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but a lot of, I, you know, a lot of the, the newer stuff was, you know, tens to like, you know, 56 or something like that. Um, nothing too crazy, but I, I'm, I'm kind of old school. Um, when I'm not doing the the extreme heavy stuff, I just standard, you know, tuning, 
standard uh, gauge strings. You know, I came up listening to, you know, Kiss and Hendrix and, you know, Zeppelin and, and uh, uh, Robin Trower and all that kind of stuff. So like right. it's, it was a lot of like blues based stuff that I grew up listening to. Um, but a lot of the music that I listened to in the seventies was all, you know, pretty much standard tuning. So that's, that's kind of my, my go-to. Yeah. So how did you go from, you know, from, uh, the influence of that style of music into something as hard as you're doing now? Because I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's a world apart, you know, Robin oh, yeah. Brower to what you're doing right now is <laughs> a, a complete world apart, you know, it, it, um, you know, it, it's funny that, uh, the older I get, I, I'm getting, I thought I would be mellowing out and, um, you know, maybe doing like, you know, maybe start playing some, some quieter stuff. And I've gone off the deep end, man. Um, you know, it just, uh, it developed throughout the years and just the, all the, the various, uh, uh, the, the influences, you know, um, I soaked everything in. I listen, I literally, I know everyone says this, but I really do listen to everything. I grew up with, um, you know, both my uh, parents from Mexico. So a lot of my early um, memories of, of songs and music were like traditional Spanish, you know, Mexican songs. So I still listen to that stuff. So as I got a little older, you know, and started going through my, my dad's record collection of the Stones and the Kinks and the Animals and stuff like that and the Beatles, it started to develop and get into the rock thing. Um, and then, you know, I was around for the, the 80s. I caught the tail end of the 80s uh, Sunset Strip scene, you know, here in, in L.A. So I, I got to see a lot of those bands when they were local bands. Um, you know, I saw Wasp, Armored Saint, Warrior. Uh, you know, I saw even Guns N' Roses at the, at the, down at the Troubadour or Motley at the Whiskey and stuff like that. So I got to see a lot of that stuff. So it, it started to get heavier and heavier. Now, when I got into um, high school, I started listening to ministry. And mm -hmm. I was really intrigued just by how different it sounded to me. You know, it wasn't like anything I had heard before. They were bringing, you know, they had samples and, you know, sounds of, you know, drills and hammers and all this shit going on. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And they were blending in, you know, some punk and some new wave and, and some metal. And, and uh, that just piqued my interest. So I started going down that road. Um, and then, you know, uh, it was just uh, as fate would have it, I ended up in the band years later. Um, and then because of, you know, touring so much and playing all these festivals in Europe and all this stuff, I was exposed to a lot of like the black metal bands and, and uh, death metal and, and stuff like that. So I, I just really observed all of that stuff. And I got to say, I got into the extre real extreme stuff in the past five years or so. Mm -hmm. um, and then during the shutdown, I just started writing, you know, more so than I uh, used to. And I ended up with a group of songs that were really heavy. And I just thought, man, I'd really like to hear what these would sound like with that type of vocal, which I had never done before. I'd never had a singer, you know, that, that had that type of sound. So um, that's kind of how it morphed into this one seedless project that I've got right now. Yeah. Well, it, it, it reminds me a lot of, uh, well, to me, when I, when I first heard it, I first automatically thought of the, you know, the black metal, you know, I, I thought, is this guy secretly from Finland or something? You know? 
you, you know what I mean? Because I've talked to a lot of guitar players from Denmark and Finland and Germany that are, you know, uh, yep. but you know, the chances are though, you're probably, you know, in a costume somewhere in the back of the baked potato, listening to Mike Landau. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't live, don't live far from the baked potato, man. Yeah. 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 That's my favorite place. Yeah. It's a great spot. A lot of great players play there. That's that's yeah. really cool. So, uh, are are you following suit with a lot of the players today? Are you using a Kemper or a Fractal, or you still using yeah. it? Well, I, I, we use the Kemper. I got to say, I haven't toured in three years. The last thing that I did was uh, the Slayer tour that we were on in 2019. Well, actually, November 2019. So three years ago this month. Um, that was the last tour that I did because, you know, shortly after that was the, uh, the shutdown and yeah. all hell broke loose and shit like that. And then I left the band last year. Um, so, but on that last run, yeah, we did, uh, we used, uh, Kempers, um, and really it was primarily out of, uh, you know, uh, expensive travel yeah. that we kind of, uh, you know, went that route. If it were up to me. I would still be bringing out my Marshall JCM 800s and my, you know, my two full stacks and shit like that. It just yeah. didn't make sense anymore. And, um, you know, traveling was just so expensive, especially going to Europe, that we started looking into other options. Everyone seemed to be really happy with these Kempers. So we uh, we gave those a shot. And I mean, they sounded great. I still have mine. Um, but I'd really still, I'd, I don't know, man, I'd still like to, you know, bring out my old gear, my old Marshalls and, and, you know, have my, my tube amplifiers, you know, just cranking behind me. So. Right. There's nothing better than that forced air pressing against Oh you. man. <laughs> you know, you just can't beat that, man. I, I, you know, and I, I understand there's a lot of great new product out there and it's awesome. Don't get me wrong, man. It, it's really cool. The things that are available now, but, I guess, again, I go back to me being old. I, I just go back to, uh, you know, when I first started playing, that's what I used. All the t all those years that I was in, the, you know, just the, the local clubs here in, in L.A., I mean, that's what I, I – I remember bringing two fucking full stacks, man, to play some little bar, you know, here in Hollywood or some shit. And uh, that's just what you did back then. So I got so used to that, feeling that on stage. And, yeah. um, and I don't use ears you know, um, on stage, I'm still like, uh, with monitors. That's why I can, you know, barely hear now, but, um, I still like hearing that, that sound on stage. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you made the switch or when you used the Kemper, when you did, did you profile your own amps first? I mean, did you, did you, I do didn't, no, I didn't oh. do my own amps. Um, yeah. we, what we, what we did profile were some, other some friends amps that we really liked um and some of them were like some you know marshall super leads and stuff like that is what a lot of my my kemper uh tones are they're yeah. actually um uh those marshall super leads and and then some slight variations of those because that last ministry tour we were playing a lot of old ministry songs mm -hmm. so and and al was an old marshall guy you know from back in the day so uh, I, I was trying to sort of recreate those types of sounds and tones for that set list. 
um, you know, it's a million things you can do on that, on that thing, which I haven't even begun to like, you know, really yeah. dive into it yet. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, at some point I'm going to start doing my, uh, my own personal heads on there as well. We were just happy with those, uh, those super leads that we, uh, that we got to get our hands on. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, it's funny that because so many bands are, are, have made that switch. You know, um, I was talking to, I don't know who, I was talking to the guys in Blacktop Mojo and they were on some tour, some festival with all these bands and they were like, every single band had a Kemper, you know, it was like, it was like, you yeah. know, and it used to be, you know, there'd just be cases friggin' everywhere. Oh yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. And now there's, you know, everybody's got their little, little baggie with them and stuff. It's, <laughs> you know, it's I mean, different, man. It's yeah. a different it's different world out there. It's a different scene. I mean, you know, back in the day, that's exactly what it was like. Cases everywhere. And you just saw, you know, for yeah. the most part, marshals everywhere and shit. And um, now, I mean, half the time, there's, there's no cabinets on stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's like, there's nothing. There's there's the little Kemper, you know, pedal board. Um, and that's it. You know, and it's just, it seems, if you're up in the front as a fan, it sounds weird. I mean, at least to me, it sounds weird. Like, cause there's no, you know, there's like no stage volume. Yeah. 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 That is, that is kind of strange. Yeah. And, and that's so, uh, one of the things that I also notice is that a lot of times, uh, in, in, uh, in your style of music that the rhythm, the guitar rhythm is dry. And what I mean is, is that there's no delay, there's no reverb, nothing <laughs> like that. It's just really, really dry. Now is, is that what you do too? And 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 why is that? Why don't why don't why don't bands add a little bit of, you know, delay or something to get you know a little bit more fullness or it it depends. It's a very good question and, and a good observation. Um, it for me it depends on the song. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll have it if the song is very fast and very machine gun like and very you know staccato. Um, then I want to keep it dry because I don't, I don't, obviously you want it to sound very clean um, and very precise. So if you add delay or, or, or even a little bit too much reverb, it'll bleed over and you won't right. hear those, you won't hear the stops in between or the silence in between of some very fast picking. So that's why I do it. But yeah. I also have other songs that are slower where, yeah, I, I add a delay and reverb to my rhythm because I want to give it that sort of, you know, um, roomy sound. I want that warmth. I don't want it to sound, you know, so dry. Um, but yeah, for me, it just depends on on the song. Yeah. It, now, does does that follow suit when it comes to leads? Because I, you know, uh, I'm guessing because I, I I don't play the the style of music you do simply because I can't. That's not my, you know, that's not my bag. It, it, it hasn't. It's it hasn't stopped me. I'm I'm Robin, <laughs> I, I'm the Robin Trower guy. Yeah, I was. Nice. You know awesome. what I mean? Yeah, yeah that, hell yeah. That, that's my thing. But uh, connecting your right hand to your left hand, you know what I mean? Do you yeah, yeah. Really, do you really have to? Is that something that really has to be? I mean, like I know you're working your right hand really well, you know, to develop it because I would think that's the most most uh that's the anchoring part of absolutely who you are as a guitar player in that but when it comes to the to the left hand is it is it just i mean because it's just it's just so much and just so fast a lot of times is it just just scales i mean is it 
you know, because it's hard to be I melodic mean, when you're yeah. going that fast. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and I mean, it, again, depends on the song. Um, with with this new project, Seedless, um, we have very fast songs and we have very slow songs. Um, and I always try to be as melodic as I can when I'm doing leads. It's not just about the speed for me at all. Um, and that goes way back to, you know, my, even my earlier and, and, and previous bands and stuff like that. I always tried to do something that was memorable. Um, I'm, I'm not like a, you know, an Ingve guy. I'm not like a, a sweeping guy or anything like that. Um, everything for me, you know, is based more obviously in the, the pentatonics. Um, uh, but I try to do, I try to connect different things with it. So I try to either have some type of melody in the lead or something that's memorable and catchy that people can sort of latch on to. Right. Um, when I'm doing solos, I'm not just like, you know, trying to just see how fast my right hand can go. Not at all. Um, we, I could have a, a very fast uh, rhythm picking song and have a very slow lead. Um, something to sort of counter that and to, you know, uh, make it stand out even more. So I, I try my best to make a solo as memorable um, and to fit the song as much as I can. Right. Because it's definitely not all about the speed thing for me. Right. And so when you're when you're playing live, when it comes time to go do these songs live, it now do you do what I would consider a live version of the album or do you play the album as it is well i i mean we haven't done anything yet with this particular project um but with um i would like to do uh when and if the time comes to do some live stuff with this new band um i'd like to do them as close to the album simply because we have electronics and we have samples and stuff going right. into it so it's a little tough for us to to veer off too much from that because of that but with right. other bands and i just you know just kind of go with shit we used to do that even with ministry man even with samples and shit like that sometimes we would veer off a little bit and then reel it back in you know it would just depend on on how we were feeling that night you know yeah 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 it's really so so for people that that aren't familiar with the new band and the new music you know, I, I know we've touched on it a little bit, but we'll reel it in here. Can you describe for them, you know, what this band is, what what they can expect from the band and from the music? Um, so, I mean, Siglos is, um, it's an extreme metal band. It's very heavy. Um, an, another interesting note is it's all in Spanish. Um, so... I, the feedback that I've gotten from some people is they've said, oh, well, you know, it sort of reminds us of a cross between uh, Fear Factory, Rotting Christ, uh, some ministry and behemoth. Uh, like they've sort of mixed all those bands together. And, and that's what people have sort of uh, reached out to me and said that they, you know, the band reminds them of. So it's very heavy. Um, there's a lot of soul in it, believe it or not. Um, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into that, into these songs. I'm very proud of them. Um, it's new for me because I've never done anything this heavy. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've been very excited about it. Um, it sort of rekindled that fire for me uh, during, you know, the pandemic and all that stuff writing these songs it was a bit cathartic for me so it's just uh it's a very heavy project but with some rhythm some very good groove um 
you know, and believe it or not, uh, some some hooks in there. Yeah. So are do you plan on taking, uh, you know, this band on tour? I mean, do you plan on getting out there and doing some live shows? Yeah, we definitely like to, man. We're uh, we're finishing up a, a five song EP right now as we speak. And um, we hope to have that done and wrapped up hopefully before the end of this year. Um, and we'll release some physical product with it. Um, but then the main focus is going to be um, to possibly hit Europe next summer. Yeah. Um, and in the States as well, if possible, you know, if, if the offers are right and it looks like it makes sense, you know, for everyone involved. Um, but yeah, we'd love to take this out, you know, into a live setting. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it feels like the, uh, the U S market when it comes to, to harder stuff is, uh, is, is not where it's, it's, no. it's nothing like the European market. Exactly. I mean, Europe, you got all the huge festivals which yeah. we used to have here when we don't have them no more. But I mean, that's your market. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah. you're absolutely right. Europe has that down, man. And they, I don't know, they seem to welcome, you know, especially this very extreme metal a lot more over there. Not to say that it doesn't happen here, but, you know, a, a band that in Europe will play in front of 10,000 people will come to the States and play maybe in front of a thousand people. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just a little different. And I mean, they've got the festivals cornered down there, man. Yeah. I mean, they've got all the big ones, you know, happen down there. They do a great job with them. It seems like the U S has, has, you know, um, sort of bringing festivals, you know, uh, back. Um, and, uh, there've been a lot of really cool ones that I've seen, you know, in the past few years, but I still think that Europe has that market you know, down. So hopefully we can get over to, to Europe and uh, South America as well. Yeah. What about the, uh, the market though, when it comes to uh, the number of bands, because um, man, there are just so many bands. I know. I mean, it's just unreal. I mean, how do you, how do you rise above the noise because i it, this is something that i find interesting i find really interesting that you get a band like yourself you put out a video your video has a million people watch the video let's say eight hundred thousand, whatever it is and yet you know it's like nobody knows that the mm -hmm. band's there because there's so much shit going on there's so many you know there's so how do you rise above that what's the how do you do that it, it's tough, man. Yeah. Um, I wish I had the actual answer for that myself. <laughs> I was hoping you it, had it, man. You know, yeah, me too, man. I've been searching for it, you know, but it's, uh, I guess I, I, I feel a little bit lucky in that I've been lucky um, with my previous bands and the, and the previous, you know, projects that I've been in that I've, I've made some contacts, some people know who I am. Um, and that seems to open a few doors for you. Yeah. Um, but it's tough, man. I, you know, I, I, I talk to young cats sometimes, you know, that are trying to make it and I'm like, God damn, man, you know, the best of luck to you guys, because it is really difficult out there, man. There's just so much everywhere all the time. Um, and to just get noticed just seems to be, it seems to be like an impossibility, but mm -hmm. people are doing it. And, you know, I, the, when I grew up in the scene that I grew up in, obviously it was before the internet and all that stuff. For us, it was flyering on the Sunset Strip. I mean, that was our promo. Now, I mean, you know, with the with the internet, I mean, you can have 
you could be in your living room and have fans all over the world. Yeah. Um, so there's good and bad from that, you know, and, and, uh, and I tell people just try to use that to your advantage the best way you can, um, try to be smart about things, you know, but use the tools that are out there. I mean, because yeah. they're there and it's like, it just seems like if you don't, you're just going to turn into a dinosaur and, and just get left behind. So might as well just, you know, learn, um, how to use them wisely. Now, cause you, you know, when, uh, uh, back back in before the internet and stuff, you know, you would know about a concert or you would know about an album because radio would let you know. Yeah. Right. And now you don't have that. And and I say that because, like, for instance, uh, uh, Journey's coming out with a new album. Between you and me, I shouldn't say this because there's going to be about a million people hear this, but I've never been a huge Journey fan. <laughs> but but you would think a band that huge, if they come out with an album and a tour, as somebody that pays attention to music, you would know about it. But I had yeah. no clue until, I didn't until a publicist sent me a you know, a release wow. thing for it coming up in that wow. I never knew. But back before, when you listened to the radio, you would hear all that. Oh, yeah. Now there's no place to get that because there's no there's no real radio outlets like there no. used to be. Everybody's doing what, you know, octane on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not the same. Not at all. And yeah. it, it seems like, I mean, that's a very good point. It, you almost have to actively be following someone mm -hmm. to know what the hell is going on with you know yeah. that 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 particular band or project or whatever um it's just, it's just a different it's so yeah. different man than, than back in the day yeah you know you, i miss those days man yeah. you know on fridays when i was a, when i was a kid junior high high school fridays i would go to the local record store which was two blocks from my house and I would go over there and, you know, you would see, you'd see I'd, like, I'd never seen Iron Maiden before. Iron Maiden had never, there was their very first album. I saw oh. a poster. I got the album. I was looking at the album. I was intrigued. So I bought it, right? And you take it home and you fall in love with yeah, it. Yeah. Every, every yeah. Friday was like that. Sure. You know, and now I got I to gotta shuffle through a ton of shit on Spotify to find two bands that got something worth listening to, you know yeah. what I mean? That's crazy. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. I mean, you know, I miss those days of going to the record store, you know, staring at the albums for fucking ever, man, reading yeah. every little thing on there and just, you know, being immersed in these records, man. And just literally just sitting there staring at these albums, man. Yeah. It's, that's just, it's, it's not like that. I don't, it's never going to be like that, you know, and it's unfortunate. Um, it just sucks that everything now is just like, you know, click this, click that, you yeah. know, just, uh, just shuffle through this, shuffle through that, you know, and just, it sucks, man. You know, it's, it's yeah. just different. Yeah. You got 10 seconds to grab attention or exactly. They're onto the next kitten video. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. That's true. Yeah. Well, yep. dude, man, I, I appreciate the conversation and that I wish you all the best, you know, with you, uh, the new project and the new music and that. And, uh, man, I appreciate I it, man. Thank you very much for having me on. That really means a lot. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, hopefully next time I'm in Chicago, I'll, uh, reach yeah. out and we'll grab a bite or something, man. That sounds like a plan, man. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk about some Robin Trower. 
There we go. Take care. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Bye.